Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever, whenever you are listening to this recording. It's always a pleasure for me to know that you're out there, that you have come back, hopefully, that you're sharing the message with your friends and other people so that they can stay connected to the message. My message is, for women that are in transition, there is always a better side to the other side of wherever you are, believe it or not, I would not be doing a podcast today if I had not gone through a very difficult transition earlier in my life. It somehow gave me the fortitude, the courage to continue moving and growing into the woman that I am today. I was amazed. I'm amazed at what has happened in my life since that defining moment in my life. Now, you know, we as women tend to overcome so many challenges in our lives. We leave our birth family house, we go to school perhaps, or we get out, go out and get a job, and we face every day so many of the things that we need to create us into a a stronger, a better woman. But way too much of the time, we don't really get to know who we are. We take the messages from our environment which we've done since we were babies and we've, we've sort of incorporated them into who we are. Nah, that's not the way to go. We need to go from the inside out so that we really understand how precious and valuable we are. Well, I have, I have the most wonderful guest for you today because that is her message. And she does it beautifully. I loved in reading, visiting her website, which you'll definitely want to go to, is that her mission is back in 2014, when she started with her movement, Wild Soul Movement. I love that. First launch, the mission was simple. She wanted to free the woman. Mm. So simple, so powerful. And that some of us would say, free? I don't need to be free. But there are so many things to discover that are inside you that are waiting to be exposed and waiting for you to live. Now, my guest, let me tell you more about her because I think you're going to really love listening to her message, is Elizabeth Dialto. And she has, she is known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help 
in spirituality. Elizabeth is a practical mystic, an author, a CEO, and a host of the popular truth telling with Elizabeth D'Alto podcast. She's been a teacher, a leader, a speaker, a coach, and a trainer to groups and individuals for 15 years, and she doesn't look a day over 25. Go to her Uh website. You'll see. (laughs) So anyway, she's absolutely magnificent. She has done a lot, but I want to speak to her other side. That's her public side. But, you know, I always like for us to talk about the private side, too. She loves creating and being in a community builder. She loves being a community builder. She's an insatiable learner and a sex sensual uh, this is sensualist. Okay, Elizabeth, you know, that's a new word for me. Who loves spas, bathtubs, dancing, the salsa, loves uh reading, traveling, spending time in nature, and has a laugh that has been described as a sound bath of sunshine and joy. Well, hold on to your seats, my dears, because you're going to love our time with Elizabeth. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for Hi, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I, I think I want to hang out with you because you like to read, you like to travel. I like that. I don't know about the dancing, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for being here. You know, I always talk about uh, the moments that it's obvious that you are so committed to what you do. And as you unveil your love for life and your love for the woman, um, helping us to reach our best, there's always something that we we remember or was the the turning point that I call them the defining moment when we mm-hmm. say, okay, I, I'm going to go in this direction or this is what my environment's telling me to go in. So I'd love it if you would share with us, with the listeners, what your defining moment was. It kind of set you on this path. So I have a couple. There were a series basically from 2012 into 2013 so mm-hmm. I'll give you the first the first one that like sparked the opening and the curiosity to like keep digging for like what this seed was about. I mm-hmm. um one of the industries that I worked in was fitness and at the time in 2012 I was a personal trainer and I taught group exercise classes in a small boutique studio in the West Village in Manhattan. Most of ah. my clientele were like celebrities, fashion industry people like really well-to-do folks that um, the guy who owned the studio had connected with working and managing um, one of the higher-end gyms in New York City for many years. And mm. um, I had created a class, and MarieClaire.com wanted, to, wanted us to submit a video with some of the exercises from my class. And so mm-hmm. the studio owner hired, um, like, a video, videographer to come and hair and makeup, you know, to come make this professional video that we could put on MarieClaire.com and get some good PR for the studio. And at that time, you know, I'm in different shape now. I don't like to say better or worse because body image is a very interesting, intricate, and personal thing. 
And a lot mm-hmm. of our beliefs around that have to do with cultural programming and conditioning that I no longer agree with. But at the time, I was in the kind of shape that if you do buy into, like, fitness and weight loss and diet culture, people aspire to be in. So, like, yeah. I had, you know, my arms were very toned. I had my own visible abs. I had, like, a four-pack. And <laughs> so that day, they put uh-huh. – um, I have a lot of freckles. They put so much makeup on my face, you couldn't see my freckles. I have very curly hair. I'm Italian and Puerto Rican. Um, they straightened my hair. And they pinned oh. it, like, half up, half down, which I would – first of all, I would never work out in lip gloss, and I would never work out with my hair on my neck. Those are just my uh-huh. preferences. And then, <laughs> um, like, the, the insult to injury was they painted contour lines on my stomach. Like, I was the most fit physically that I'd ever been. And just as they were painting the contour lines on my stomach, the message that I was just, like, feeling deep into my bones was, you are not good enough for us. We need to paint you Mm -hmm. up to look even better. And, you know, even when I was doing fitness, part of me was doing that as an empowerment tool, right? Like, feel physically strong, um, look good to feel good. Again, I don't particularly aligned with that messaging anymore but at the time that's where I was and in that moment that made me feel so small and so not good enough Mm. I was like oh no am I contributing am I contributing Mm. to this with my work in the fitness industry and so um and at, at the time also I had started dating someone who was into energy work and energy healing specifically a modality called Reiki and I've become more interesting in studying, other than just the physical body, the subtle body, the mindset and emotions. And so that moment for me really made me shift much more towards, you know, the subtle, the sensual, the energetic, and the things, like you were saying, from the inside out rather than mm-hmm. the outside in, which is how I was working when I was in fitness. Mm-hmm. So, so that was my moment. That was my moment of just feeling so crappy during that video shoot. And then the huge blessing, Joyce, which was like the, the divine intervention, I always thought of it. Um, the studio mm-hmm. owner, for whatever reason, did not submit the video on time. And it never went up on MarieClaire.com. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was great. All that for work. Me, but I was like, thank a- God I wasn't put up on this platform with millions of viewers under this like circumstance that made me feel so bad, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, how we just put so much importance on the outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a, it's a great testimony to what happens and how so many people get caught up in that, particularly in the world you were talking about the, excuse me, the, um, performance industry, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about the outside. So, so a lot of it is, I wouldn't say it's all about, but yeah. Largely. Yeah. So little did you know that your Reiki master friend was really there to support you. I sometimes am amazed at how things just naturally happen. Yeah. Um, you just almost turn that corner seamlessly. Um, 
without even doing any effort. I know you did because, um, um, understanding new mortality is always takes work and time. But at the time, were you the student that you believe yourself to be today? Student? Student. You said you'd like to learn. So was yeah. that a normal yeah, thing exactly for you? that's exactly what it is. Yeah, right? And so for me, when something like that comes up, I'm like, ooh. Like, I think of it as, like, tugging the threads, right? Like, the mm-hmm. crumb gets dropped. And if I have such a, like, visceral, emotional, personal response to something, mm-hmm. I, I, I always listen to that because I feel like that's how the intuition speaks to you, right? Like through those body sensations. To me, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know what people believe in and I'm never out here trying to like get people to align with my way, but in my yeah. perspective, to me, that's God, like tapping you on the shoulder and being like, hi, pay attention to this because <laughs> there's a direction I'm trying to push you in. And we can either do it gently or not so gently if you ignore this. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you talk about how to get out of your head and into your body. Um, tell, tell me more about that. So, because I'm um, in my head a lot. And I think a lot yeah. of us are. We spend way too much are. time in head. And so here's what I realized in my work. That mm-hmm. we need our head. We need our mind. We need our intellect. It's brilliant up there. It's so powerful. And we are really trained to kind of get it backwards. We are so overly reliant on the mind and the logic and the intellect and what we think we know that we often override our body's inherent wisdom and signals. And again, like instinct and intuition. That's like our body's brilliant way of, of letting us know, you know, what's important and what's going on. So I just like to flip it. I like to encourage people. And it's not just I like to, I've seen the evidence of it with like thousands of people I've worked with and also in my own life of tuning into the body first and then using the intellect to carry out the, the wisdom of the body via those, those signals. So even like I was saying, like a visceral emotional response or, right. um, you know, just like goosebumps, like you meet someone and you're getting chills because the conversation is so exciting. Like that's mm-hmm. valuable information that your body is communicating with you. And then mm-hmm. you can go, all right, mine, like what's this about? Or what should I do? Or what action should I take? Or help me make a plan. So we need mm-hmm. both. And this is one of my pet peeves about like kind of like personal development or self-help industry. When some people are so dogmatic about mindset is everything. Like it's really not because we can use our minds to override the wisdom right. of the body, and a lot of us do that. And then especially as women in this kind of culture, as we were talking about earlier with the fitness, so much of our value is uh, placed on how we look, our attractiveness, yes. our desirability. And mm-hmm. so, again, we focus on the physical aspects of the body and not just the brilliance as well of, like, how the body communicates with us and also just, like, what the body does and how... I mean, it's miraculous. The body can heal itself. Some bodies uh, make babies. They make people. <laughs> yeah. Your brain doesn't grow the person. The, the, the lower, the other parts of the body do that. And so for me, it's just about, like, balancing out and treating the body with as much reverence as respect as we treat the mind. Now, when you say the body can tell us, what are some of the, can you give us an example? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, for example, one of the things that I teach um, 
been teaching this for years. I have this yes, no truth practice. And this is about discernment because, you know, we're all judgy. We all judge. Even if we say like, hey, no judgment. Like there's a part of us that's judging. It's just a matter of like how much weight and gravity we put on those judgments. But, Mm -hmm. um, and judgment happens in the mind, right? It's always evaluating, placing, this is better, that's worse, this is good, that's bad, da-da-da-da-da. But discernment happens in the body. The body just gives you yes or no without all the judgment and evaluation and meaning-making. Um, so, and that, that's about resonance. So, again, similar to, like, what I said earlier, you ever, like, meet someone and it feels like you've known them forever, it's so easy mm-hmm. to talk to them. When that's happening, the body relaxes. The body mm-hmm. softens. And these are signals that, like, this is safe, this is good for you, like, this is resonance. Versus sometimes you meet someone or you walk into a room or you're in a place mm-hmm. and you immediately get, it's almost like, like, like the spidey sense, right? The prickles mm-hmm. up your spine or like something about you goes on high alert or the heart starts pounding and you feel nervous. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the body telling you like, pay attention. There, there's something here. Like, you know, be aware. And yeah. that's like the protective, that, that, that's the protective mechanism that let, like, that's very instinctual as well. So these aren't just philosophies. Like there's, I mean, science. You know, the brain, the amygdala, the sensor of the brain that, that sends you these signals and that activates that stuff as the body is responding, um, you know, that's all. You could look up the research. I prefer to talk more about, you know, you said in my intro, practical mystic. I like to talk about the practical applications and not bore people with the scientific terms. But um, there's research for it and there's validity to it. So, so that's what I mean, right? And, and listening yeah. and not overriding. Another great example, um, some people listening can probably relate to a personal experience, or I'm sure a lot of people have heard. So many people, um, you know, men, women, whomever, like, um, have the experience if they've been, like, attacked or assaulted or been a victim of some kind of violence, mm-hmm. will tell you shortly before it happened, they had a bad feeling. Like, they, mm-hmm. like they felt something was not right. Right. Um, but they walked down the alley anyway, or they walked down the street, or they turned down that road um, against their better judgment, against their better mm-hmm. discernment and instincts. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, what, that's what I mean by that. Okay. Okay. What I would like to know is when one gets that message from the body, the uneasy feeling, the bad feeling, do they immediately take action, like run away or change it, or do they go into questioning it? Certainly if it was a life or death situation, I could see they'd run. But there's also got to be benefit in saying, why do I feel this way? Yeah. Right? To me, it really depends on the situation and the experience. So like you're saying, if it's it's a non-threatening, I'll give you an example. Um, mm-hmm. I was in a yoga class a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and, um, it was supposed to be hot yoga. The room wasn't hot. Um, the instructor, it just wasn't my style. Um, and it was going to be a 75 minute class. So that's mm-hmm. not a threatening environment, right? There's no, there's no life or death. I'm not in danger. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm feeling more what you're describing is like just the resistance of being there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I that for about 20 minutes in the feeling of discomfort, like, is there something here for me? Is there any value in staying? 
and just mm. finishing this class, right? Because yeah. often we think of integrity as being like, finish what you start. You made a commitment. You came. You should follow through. Yeah. Yeah. But the higher form of integrity is honoring yourself, honoring your energy. Um, so I sat for about 20 minutes, and then I was like, no, literally this is just agitating me, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't need to be here. And when I, when I considered the other option of leaving and getting like a whole nother like 45 minutes in my day to do something that would be more aligned for me, I felt yes. immediate joy in my body. So I left. Yeah. Sort of like your body relaxed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being like, yeah. I would have left if I would have stayed feeling tense and agitated mm-hmm. versus when I walked out the door, I felt sovereign excited and like really proud of myself for putting my own needs before the needs of a room full of strangers. Yeah. Judgment is so big. I think Mm -hmm. it was really big in my family and I, because I judge like crazy and, um, it irritates me because I do that. I'm on ongoing practice here of, of yeah. adjustments as we all are. You know, we're always changing, reshaping ourselves, but you bring up a good one. That judgment is tough one. Do you have a suggestion for uh, overcoming judgment? Yeah. So I am, um, I'm not, I don't super believe in overcoming it, but I believe in observing it and just kind of shifting how you relate to it because sometimes um, we notice ourselves judging and then we're hard on ourselves. Why am I being so judgy? Why am I like this? Right. Instead of going, I'm human. This is how my mind works. Right. I'm judging. Oh, what? There's always some juicy information for us in the judgment. Am Uh I judging that because I'm jealous because I Mm -hmm. want that thing because I'm making a comparison and this is making me feel small. Am I judging it because it reminds me of something? So um, my friend Terry Cole, who's a psychotherapist and a coach, she mm-hmm. um, had a couple of great interviews with her on my podcast, and she gave me these three questions many years ago, which uh-huh. was they're applicable to so many different scenarios, and judgment is one of them. To ask ourselves these questions, who does this remind me of? Mm. When have I felt this way before? And why does this feel familiar? Because often the judgment is actually poking on something from our history, from our past experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why we're judging it. There's a similarity or familiarity to something else that's unresolved. And so mm-hmm. when you can investigate that thread, sometimes you discover something that you need to do some work around. So it could be you. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll walk in a room sometimes and feel the judgment. I'll say, why are they wearing that with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not even important. I mean, you know, it's not life or death. It's just, yeah. it's just a thought that passes. And I, and I go, ah, why, why do I do that? I know where it came from. It's from my yeah. birth family, but, yeah. uh, it's still, it, it's something I want, I, you're right, maybe I need to give myself a little more grace there. Totally. I'm <laughs> always going to err questions. on the side of more grace. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, <clears throat> 
So some of the languages that you like to, uh, you say learning to speak the body's unique language of the senses. It sounds mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you refer to? <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you say that? What are you referring to when you say that? The unique so, so language like, of the senses. Yeah, but, so that's like what I was saying earlier. Um, like, how does your body communicate yes to you? Is ah. it like an opening, a softening, a relaxation, you know? Um, do your shoulders drop down away from your ears? Do you lean in towards something? Do you feel excited um, or joyful? Um, mm-hmm. How does your body communicate no to you? Do you tense up or tighten up, or do you do you feel like your energy is drained? Um, do you get a pit in your stomach? That's what I mean, uh, right? And, yeah. And there okay. will be some overlap. Like some people have the same kinds of signals, but I always encourage folks to pay attention for their own because just because something is my signal doesn't mean it will be everyone else's signal. And um, some people are more visceral. It's like a physical sensation in the body. Some people mm-hmm. more like have a thought that lands for them or like a mental picture or sometimes it's just a knowing like I shouldn't be here or, oh, my goodness, this is so important for me. I really need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I um, had sort of a heavy situation come up last week and I really didn't know how to respond to this situation. And I received a letter. I was uh turmoil. I was dealing with it. What do I do? What do I don't do? Do I do anything? Maybe not. Maybe yes. And <clears throat> one of the things I did is I just really left it. I um, sort of, um, I, I went to prayer. And then I also just relaxed. And I... Mm-hmm. ask my body as well as my support in God to what would be the answer? What would be the, and just released it. Yeah. And the next morning I woke up with this answer. It was like yes. unbelievable. I was so clear on what I need next step that it was just amazing. And so I take that as an inner knowing that was provided to me, however, through my body or yeah. through my, my worship, however, it was delivered. And I just, I was, I was stunned. I was so clear Isn't with that something great? that it's, yeah, r- really? Cause I'd lost a lot of time stressing over that thing. <clears throat> Way too much time, you know? So. Anyway, I think it's pretty in- interesting when we, as you say, listen to our body and when we relax, just relax. Once you ask, it'll come. It may take well, a week. Because that relaxation is surrender. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's a surrender, yeah. which is super valuable. Yeah. Well, we are going to go to a short break here. And when we come back, you know, I'd really like to talk about something that I think is difficult for a lot of us. And that is learning our boundaries and languages Mm. and listening. I really think that some of us could take some guidance, including me. So Mm -hmm. we are going to take this short break. And when we, we, when we come back, Elizabeth will share more of her wisdom with us. Aren't you loving this? 
I am. <laughs> so come on back. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are having a fascinating interview today with Elizabeth D'Alto. She's worked a lot with starting with the outside in now she works with the inside out and she's about the body and the soul and the spirit that you have she even has a a book that's called untamed yourself untame yourself sorry i misspoke that that you can get on amazon that you may want to read and bring into your library as a tool to help you grow. So Elizabeth, before we went to break, we talked about boundaries. That is a big one that I think not only our relationships suffer with husband, boyfriend, mom, dad, friends, everybody really struggles with boundaries. And so what have you been able to discover on your journey that makes that uh, frustration a little easier to handle? So it's actually um, perfect that you mentioned the book because, um, and I think you've written a book too as well, right? Yes, yes. So one of the biggest surprises to me with the book is I was, I was so attached to like some of the content and I'm like, Oh, for sure. This is the best part because it's my favorite. And then, <laughs> um, what totally surprised me was the part that everyone loved the most was chapter 12 of my book. I created this courageous conversation framework that literally breaks down. Like there's journaling prompts. There's all this stuff to help people figure out what to say and how to say the things that they, they want to say mm-hmm. when, you know, challenging stuff is going on and fairly often these are boundary conversations these are when we need to say to someone like hey that thing you did wasn't cool or when this happens i feel this way or you know i'm not i'm not available for this because a lot of people are recovering people pleasers or they grew up in codependent environments they put everyone else's needs first and at a certain point you realize i'm either going to get sick or just totally burned out or, you know, punch someone in the face <laughs> right? if I don't stand up for myself in some way. Yes. And so um, sometimes people think that setting a boundary is like taking something away from somebody else um, mm-hmm. to give to yourself, and they think it's selfish. 
But it's, mm-hmm. it's just actually one of the most compassionate things we could do because if we're showing up and doing things in, in vain that we don't really want to do, um, that's not genuine. That's not actual yeah. kindness. There's, there's, a, there's a lie in that, right? And sometimes there's also a manipulation in it because we're doing it to be loved or liked or, you know, be pleasing or to get people to like us, but we're doing it on false premises. Right. So boundaries are just a really beautiful way to be honest with yourself mm. and others about who you are, where you are, what you need. And it's also a great way to like lead the way in your relationship. Like there's a quote, I think it gets attributed to Dr. Phil, but I don't know if he originally said it, that you teach mm. people how to treat you. Mm. So yeah. having boundaries, like the people in your life might resist it because they've been used to you like overgiving and overfunctioning and like, you know, doing all these things for them that, you know, we're (laughs) probably taking things off their plate. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when we really take responsibility for our own experiences and when we really trust people to be responsible for their own experiences, the quality of our relationships is Mm -hmm. much more, like, genuine, loving, and even generous. Mm -hmm. So um, that's in the Courageous Conversation framework, which if people don't want to grab the book, they just want the uh, framework, they can mm-hmm. go to untameyourself.com forward slash conversation. Um, and it's just like it'll, a PDF will pop up with the, um, the framework. Because one of the reasons why people don't set boundaries is because they're afraid. A lot of people yeah. don't like confrontation or conflict. And so um, some of the questions in that framework really help to actually just um, handle any conflict before it might come up. Um, but we all have to understand that sometimes people will take our boundaries very personally, even though it's not about them. It's just about us and our needs. Yeah. Well, you know, I believe we set all those boundaries when we're little. They're, we're in an environment that if we don't, if we're not heard or not reserved, re, received the way we want, to be received or expect we're going to be received, we lose love. That's a painful, painful lesson. And when right. you're two or three, that's all you have. You're you're waiting on mom and dad to love you and support you, and we don't always get it. Mm-hmm. And it's because the way we present it, we're just so, you know, we're full of mistakes and learning and, and everything, but it can sometimes be interpreted as resistance and, uh, being difficult and the awful twos, you know, all of those come in and affect us. And so it really sets us up for boundaries are bad. But it makes life so much easier if people understand where you stand and know who well, they're playing you, with. And the thing you said is we lose love. But what's the quality mm. of the love we're losing? It's very conditional. It's oh, that's so us, true. Right? Yeah, it's that's based great. on yeah. us adhering to somebody else's conditions for our worthiness and lovability. Yeah. When people love us with our boundaries. That mm-hmm. is more towards the unconditional variety. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. You also mentioned a better listener um, is important for communication. Mm-hmm. As the one that receives 
the communication. Um, you know, we have to listen a lot in our profession, but when we're talking about a, we're, we're really hyper then. We're really on task. We're focused. But sometimes in our relationships, we can slip a little bit because we relax. We're not as focused, but listening is really important to understand what's not being said. So how do you do that in your personal relationships? Yeah. So so this comes back to the embodiment stuff, like getting out of your head and being in your body, because if you're in your head, when you're listening, you're not actually hearing, right? Sometimes someone's talking and we're waiting for our turn and we're in our mind planning out what we're going to say, which means we're not hearing because hearing isn't just about like the words that someone is saying landing for you. It's about Mm -hmm. feeling what's Mm. behind the words, right? So you just said hearing what's not being said. That's sensory. That's Mm -hmm. happening. That's coming through emotions. That's coming through body language, much of which we're picking up consciously, but so much of which we are picking up unconsciously as well. So when we're Mm -hmm. up in our minds, when we're listening, just thinking about what we're going to say next and when it's going to be our turn to speak or the point that we want to make, that's a very Mm -hmm. self-centered and self-serving way to listen. But when you're there to like be in relationship, be in communion, be in real conversation, you're listening with like your whole self. Your heart is open and like you're, you're letting your ego chill out a little bit because sometimes you're hearing things that don't feel good to hear, but oh, yeah. you can like breathe through that. Like, so for me, I like to like, I literally breathe like deeply and I imagine like keeping my heart open to what someone is saying. And I'm just like feeling any discomfort that might be coming up in my body. But the breath mm-hmm. keeps me, um, you know, depending on who it is and the circumstances, in right. my parasympathetic nervous system so I don't go into, like, the fight, flight, or freeze. And I don't yeah. – I know that I'm safe. I don't need to defend myself. And that's if it is safe, right? Because sometimes there is conflict and it feels unsafe. And depending on who the conversation is with, it might be sparking different things for you. Um, right. And you don't ever have to stay and endure anything if you don't feel safe. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Because we all have different traumas and things and we need to care for ourselves in that way. But, right. you know, if you're, I always, I always preempt with that because I don't ever want anyone forcing themselves to stay in a situation that's unhealthy for them mentally, physically, or emotionally or spiritually. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, when the safety is there, we mm-hmm. can just stay open and we can hear and we can pause. This is the other thing. Listening requires that we slow down. <laughs> and we don't have to respond right away, right? So often, mm-hmm. like, this kind of gets programmed into us in school, right? Like, we need to know the answer. We need to know it now because the teacher is asking, and we got to be out of here in 45 minutes. Right. Or somebody else might say it first, and then they'll look smarter than we are. Like, there's all these different. You could just slow down. And it's also okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, you know what? I need to sit with that because I feel like whatever I might say now might not be my true, my true answer. I need to actually, let me come back to you on that. That's like real listening. That's real relating and having like meaningful, deeper, more powerful conversations when you leave room for like real truth. Mm. I, as, as we're talking about that and I realize how important it is that we connect one-on-one with our with whoever we're speaking with and receiving their message in the eyes. I just see such a um, 
problem for our young people who are introduced yep. to the electronics so early mm-hmm. in life anymore as mm-hmm. babysitters and and um <clears throat> i um I worry a little bit about that um I think the more you can interact with a person, the better it is. So I encourage those mothers out there that may be listening or a grandmother that has a daughter to, or a, a grandchildren to, um, sort of look at the importance of getting outside, playing, putting the electronics down, the phone down, which are great babysitters. I get it. I was a mother mm-hmm. once. I get it. It's it's worth, you know, a few minutes. But um I think it's gone to extremes. Even now, you get up on a plane to get ready to disembark the plane. Everybody's on their phone. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's talking to their neighbor. I will be because I just like to talk to strangers. But it's just so uncommon anymore to reach out to other people. Do you see? Yeah. I know you see this a lot. Yeah, and you know where I saw it the most? So I have not been in a uh, committed partnership for about three years now, almost three and a half. And so uh-huh. I've done a lot of dating. And, you know, I've, I've ranged, I'm 36, so I've dated up men in their 40s, and I've dated a little bit younger, like men, maybe like 30, 31, 32. And I noticed with, like, the younger men who are more in that millennial generation, everything mm-hmm. is a text message. And there is yes. so much room for misinterpretation in text communication. You see this on yes. social media. I'm very active on social media. And uh-huh. Because you can't feel people. It's like what we were saying earlier. You can't necessarily feel someone, and if you don't know them or have any kind of personal relationship with them yet, you don't, like, our mind often will assume the worst. I don't know, I don't know why we're like that. That's an, an irritating program that a lot of us have, <laughs> right? Is that something we have to train ourselves to, like, give people an appropriate benefit of the doubt until they show us that they don't deserve it, you know? But, uh-huh. yes, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, and one of the things I, I started doing was saying to people, um, hey, like, this is a great, this is a juicy conversation. I'd love to have this in person. I'm not going to text this out. Too yes. much room for misinterpretation and misunderstanding. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh. And, and then what that does, it's that, that in itself is a boundary, right? Because I'm setting yes, the boundary. Is. Like, I'm not going to have some intricate conversation with you via text, but I would love to have it in real life. And then what's cool is it also weeds people out because some people will be like, well, why are you to be so difficult? And I'm like, cool, we're not, okay, done. <laughs> difficult. I'm not being difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm making a request <laughs> that will actually uh, ultimately result in a better connection. Um, you know, uh, and some people are like, oh, yeah. great idea. And then it's yeah. just a richer, because that's the thing, real in person, like even you and I, we connected for a few minutes before we started this interview. And I got yes. to feel you. I got to hear your lovely accent and your energy. And you shared all these things that you'd look on my site. It made me feel appreciated. I felt, not that I was close to it, but I felt much more open and excited for the uh, conversation because you took the moment to spend that initial time with me. Yeah, well, thanks. I feel like sort of, sort of a dinosaur in some respects because I know a lot of people don't do that. And I've even been told that the pre-call is they're not going to do it. <laughs> I just, but I'm holding in there because I do believe in the value of personal conversation. It's so valuable. <laughs> so, yes, it is. It is. But my my two children 
taught me the lesson about do not text to have a discussion. They said, mm-hmm. Mom, yeah. never do that. That's, that's bad. <laughs> I learned that the hard way when I was trying to have a discussion with my daughter, but, um, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so lesson learned. It's, it's, it's more efficient too. <laughs> Right? People think the text is more efficient, but it Mm. creates so much more conflict. It just results in needing to do more work later. Yes. Yes, it does for sure. One of the things that I want to move on to is you talk about curiosity. I do a, a workshop that I really love doing and it's called the vision board workshop where people come together and create their vision board. I have been stunned by the people that limit themselves to have the curiosity or to be open-minded to create a future. I've even had a woman tell me, I don't dream. I don't do those things. And Mm -hmm. I know she was coming from a point of disappointment and Uh hurt and just she had shut down. And I, I hope that is the exception. But it's one of the Mm -hmm. challenges that I have when doing vision boards is opening that window for people. Do you see that? Do you have that experience? Yes. And you know what? I don't know. Statistically, in my own work, my own experience, which is obviously a very small sampling of the entire human population, it's a couple thousand women, but, you know, overall, when there's billions, it's not a ton. I think it's big. But I can say statistically in my own work, um, because I've, I've been running a, a program, and this is the framework for the book I'm writing right now, um, where the curriculum is called the Arc of Power. And I use my embodiment work to t- guide women through these different themes, um, mm-hmm. surrender and release, trust and receptivity, wild dreaming and desire, and love and truth. And inevitably, uh-huh. when we get to the wild dreaming and desire part, uh-huh. so many women are like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> my dream my desires, especially the women who are moms uh-huh. or caretakers, right? So not everyone has their own kids, but maybe they take yes. care of nieces and nephews or someone else's kids, or maybe they're in the phase of life where they're caretaking their parents or aunts and uncles or whoever. Um, you know, people have all kinds of different responsibilities for other people. Um, and they're like, I, I don't, um, there's no space in my life <laughs> for dreaming, <laughs> desires. Yeah. Like I put those yeah. on a shelf years ago to be a mom and I forgot they're dusty. You know, yes. I don't even remember what they were. And, and then there's this real messaging around age being the reason why someone shouldn't pursue a thing. And I love, like, you'll always, you'll see, and I'm sure there's some books about this, post circulating about people who didn't start doing certain things until a certain age. For example, I just saw one yesterday. There was an actress, Octavia Spencer. Um, she's in a number of things, but I specifically remember her in the movie Hidden Figures from a couple years ago. Um, she didn't really start acting until she was 40. Um, really? She, you know, yeah, awesome. held down a day job yeah. while she was going on auditions. Like, she didn't actually get a break until she was 40 years old. But she also didn't give up. Yeah. There are people who don't right. even start things. Some of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with or some of your listeners might be familiar with the work of Byron Katie. Byron yes. Katie didn't start her work until she was 41 years old. Yes. Even yeah. I think it was Samuel L. Jackson I might have heard or Morgan Freeman, one or the other, I think didn't really start either until they were like 50 or something like that. Um, really? Yeah. We need a book on like, all those people. There yeah. are, some, I know there are some. We need to Google this. But, um, yes. So, 
Because people think they don't, they can't. They can't have desires. Their value is in taking care of everyone else, putting everyone else's needs first, making sure other people's desires are taken care of. So for some people, it's enormously confronting and also shame-inducing because of the regret. And I find one of the biggest barriers. So when I was running my program last year, the big Mm -hmm. thing that came up around this for people was grief. In order to even allow themselves to connect with their current dreams and desires, they had to grieve the ones, the unfulfilled ones, that either they perceived as failures or that they had given up on or that they had swept under the rug because they had enormous amount of, like, anger, resentment, sadness, and things to grieve around, um, around those before they could even allow themselves to consider what might be true now. Because they felt they had lost out on life? Yeah. 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 I could see that. I can kind of see that. And, um, because I've, I just spoke to a group, um, primarily older women. They were sixties, maybe even some in their seventies. And, uh, the idea of a vision board, I was trying to fill my class and the idea of a vision board just, you could just see it in their eyes. It was kind of like, well, why would I want to do that? <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. it was uncanny. You know, I felt very, yeah. what? How do I reach this lady? Well, we are coming close to the end of our hour, and I want people to know about your wonderful book that you have. But you have two books, I think, right? I went to Amazon to get your oh, Untamed Self Love. There's a really old fitness one from back in the day that I like to pretend doesn't exist. (laughs) Okay, forget that one. She has one book. (laughs) And she's working on another one. Wonderful Mm. that we're all going to be anxious to have. But your business name is Wild Soul Movement. What a fascinating name. What a great name. I wish I thought of that name. But anyway, we want them to go to your website because I loved your website. You have not only your book where you direct us to Amazon to buy it, but you also have something called uh, cards. They're vision cards. What do they call it? What do you call them? Oracle deck. Yes. And tell me why you decided to do that, create an Oracle deck. Oh, because, well, I've been working with Oracle decks myself since... Uh I don't know, 2010 or 2011. And I love, it's such a way, you know, so many people are are really not connected to their own intuition yet. And so it's a cool way to start to work with feeling connected to something bigger and like connecting the dots or noticing synchronicities. Um, Some people consider it a form of divination, which to me is super fun. And so um, I've been loving these oracle decks for so many years. And in, in my Wild Soul Movement practice, one of the things we use are mantras. Um, so things like, it is safe for me to let go, or, you know, I trust myself, or, you know, things like that. Uh-huh. And so I just, I don't know, I had, I had a vision for it. And because I teach so many classes and I also train and certify teachers in my method, I thought it would be cool to have a tool for them to use in their classes that really oh, yeah. allows people to explore explore the different themes that we explore through the Oracle cards. So for example, when I run workshops, when I do the wild soul movement sessions, one of the things I have people do is pull a card, but don't look at it and like stick it under their mat. And then when we're done with the practice, they look at it and fairly Uh often the card they pulled is totally relevant 
to whatever is going on in their life, and it kind of feels like magic, and people get excited. Uh-huh. It's a little bit of a way to bring in some, like, childlike wonder to our, you know, busy adult lives. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And a great lesson that they can actually see that they are yeah. intuitive or they are connected yeah. to their what happens, right? Yeah, and and my deck has um, images of flowers, which I love, you know, connecting to nature I find to be one of the most beautiful ways for women to remember that, like, we are connected to nature, we're connected to the earth, we're an extension of that, and there's so much symbolism and beauty in flowers and the colors and the shapes and all the things. So it also, um, again, because it's a, a sensual movement practice meant to help people connect to their senses, imagery of flowers, I find, is, like, pretty powerful for that. Yeah, yeah. Now tell us a little bit about your podcast, because you also have a podcast. Um, yeah. It's weekly, or correct? Um, yep, weekly show, and it's called Truth Telling with Elizabeth D'Alto. And essentially the point is to explore the truth that's always evolving within us and around us. So all kinds of conversations that cover things ranging from embodiment and sensual living to spirituality to creative expression and joy and fun and healing and, you know, work life and love and relationships and all these things, boundaries. We have all kinds of conversations about boundaries. And it's just these things that are relevant essentially to reclaiming and redefining womanhood in the 21st century. Yes. I was kind of looking at some of your titles last night. You have love, dating, sex, and intimacy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and having trauma in the nervous system with Irene Leon. Yeah. A lot of different topics. Really great. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. So, and that's on Apple Podcast. I'm not. That's everywhere. If people. Everywhere. Just We're on like all the platforms, Google Play, Spotify. Oh, I post them on YouTube also for people who need closed captions. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so you have a YouTube channel as well. Mm-hmm. We need that question on here. It's not <laughs> on the form. <laughs> discovery. We just had a discovery. Yay. So what's new for you coming up? I know you have your book that's coming out. Will that be coming out this year? Oh, I, I haven't even um, finished the proposal yet, so probably not. Okay. <laughs> Oh, probably not. Well, it takes time to create those books. But I know you have an exciting 2020 plant. I do. You know what I'm really pumped about? Um, so for many years, I only offered Wild Soul Movement, the movement practice, inside of a long program that people yes. can do with me online or my weekend workshops, which obviously it requires some effort to come for a weekend somewhere and do the practice and gather with people and all that stuff. So I created a membership community where I do weekly Wild Soul Movement sessions. I just live stream them, and they're for the oh, community. Um, all different types yeah. of themes. And I literally, from my living room to yours, and, and we just get to be together because I find even if it's digitally, we need to gather. We need to know, yeah. like, we're in space. We're in a container with other people. So it's pretty cool because we have women from all over, the, like, Malaysia, Australia, the United Kingdom, you know, here in the U.S., Canada, Alaska. So it's pretty amazing <laughs> to gather and be like, oh, we're all connected. So um, that's one of the miracles of the Internet, you know, that we could come together oh. from all over the place and yeah. be together now, and do move you, together. Now, is that on your website? I didn't see it, where they can connect and join that. 
Um, you know what? I don't think we put it in the navigation yet. We will. Um, but it's okay. at wildsoulmovement.com forward slash gather. And oh, okay. all the links to everything, if anyone's on Instagram, I have one of those little links in my bio that, like, literally takes you to everything. Oh, okay. All right. But, well, yeah, yeah, the membership dear, community is coming. new. So. What? Did I cut you off? What? Oh, no, no, no. I was saying you're right. Like, the membership community is new, so it's not it's not up on there yet. So thank you for yeah. reminding me. But they're so good, and I think they're so good because we do connect with the world on those. Yep. I, that's one of the best things about the Internet. I think that it is connecting us to the other side of the world. It's helping us understand it. No, we are all so common. We are all mm-hmm. connected. So yeah. I have to say goodbye to you. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. We could keep on talking for another this hour, so I think. so fun. Thank you. <laughs> So, <clears throat> I thank you for being here today. It's just been a joy to be able to share your message, to have this really good, deep conversation about bodies and in listening. So, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Okay. So, I'd like for you to remember next week we will come back with another fresh show for you to listen to. And you will enjoy it as much as you did listening to Elizabeth today. So, have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.